Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by National Roper Supply. NRS is proud to be the number one Western store in the USA and have been providing quality Western wear and horse tax since 1989. NRS is a one-stop shop for all things Western. And now, Modern Cowboy brand apparel is available at NRS, as well as the Cowboy Whey Protein from our Modern Cowboy Performance Nutrition line. Click the link in our Instagram bio to shop the Modern Cowboy collection at NRS World. And be sure and use code MODERNCOWBOY at checkout for 10% off your entire purchase. Now, that's not only on Modern Cowboy brand products, but on everything NRS carries, with only a few exceptions. So shop Modern Cowboy brand at NRS. Use code MODERNCOWBOY for a 10% discount on your entire purchase at checkout. And remember... Whether you're the most punchy West Texas cowboy or you work on Wall Street and wear cowboy boots, Modern Cowboy is the brand for the cowboy in all of us. Where are you cowboys and cowgirls at? Hey everybody, this is Dan Hillenbrand and welcome to Modern Cowboy, the podcast for the cowboy lifestyles and businesses around the world. I'm glad you're here, so sit back in your saddle and prepare to be inspired, motivated, educated, and entertained as I interview a new guest each week that embodies the modern cowboy. His feet are ten sizes too small for his boots, and he'll straddle that armchair till someone opens his shoes. He might scrape up his elbow, but he'll keep the pain hit. Cause he's as tough as they come, he's a rodeo kid. Well, he's a wild horse rider with his spurs and his shafts. And he'll ride the rank ones when he wakes up from his nap. And he'll turn those old bulls just like his daddy did. Nobody can stop him, he's a rodeo kid From Friday night buckers to Sunday cartoons He'll pull out his cap gun and shoot for the moon And he don't know he's small, cause his dreams are so big He's one in a million, he's a rodeo kid Dogs and the cats, they're afraid of his rope. But if he misses a fast one, he won't sit and mope. He'll just chase down another, get him caught and tied quick. Because he knows he's the best, he's a rodeo kid. Well, he knows that he's different from all the boys there in town. They point and they laugh, but it don't get him down. Cause in his heart he knows when those lights shine on him. Well, they'll all be wishing they were rodeo kids. From Friday night buckers to Sunday cartoons, he'll pull out his cap gun and shoot for the moon. Don't know 
always smile Cause his dreams are so big He's one in a million He's a rodeo Hey everybody, welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Uh, I, I'm, I'm really excited today to, to have my guest on, Chris Thomas. He's a country music artist, uh, and he also is a uh, hat-shaping expert at the infamous cow lot uh, up there with Glenn Orms. Uh, they've been a great sponsor and supporter of the podcast, and uh, um, I'm interested uh, to, to talk to uh, to uh, to Chris for a couple, couple reasons. One is... I actually, there's a friend of his that he knows that runs in the same uh, music industry, and I and actually it's the I don't want to butcher the name of it. I'm gonna let him tell us, but it, I think it's I don't know if it's the Rocky Mountain uh, country music. I, I I like I said I'm gonna butcher it. I'm gonna let Chris tell us. But anyway, a good friend of his. Uh, I, I had him on the podcast. I mean, at the very beginning when I started this two and a half years ago. And we had all kinds of audio problems, and it didn't come out good, and so I could never publish it. Uh, when Chris and I were getting on today, we were we were just starting to have some audio problems. It seems like that uh, inevitably uh, happens all the time. But anyway, that being said, uh, look forward to talking to Chris, and then and then I'm gonna I'm gonna get his buddy on here uh, again at a later date. But uh, anyway, Chris, welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Hey man, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So. Uh, Straighten me out on that. It, the the music organization is called what again? The Rocky Mountain Country Music Association. So I was pretty close, wasn't I? Yes, you were. You were almost dead on. <laughs> yeah, and and that and I, I know I'm sure you know Randy. Um, uh, is it? I think it's Burkhart, right? Randy Burkhart. Yep. That, that yes, sir. Yeah, I had him. I had him on the podcast like two and a half years ago, and like I said, I was trying to get the thing recorded right, and it just came out so bad that we never published it. So anyway, um, uh, I, I had I had to mention that since you guys run in the same vein, um, and uh, he'll more than likely end up hearing about this at least. Hopefully, he listens. Yeah, Randy is actually one of my closest friends. Oh, I did, uh, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, Randy and I travel a lot uh, together. We've done a couple music tours together. Just kind of had a lot of fun. Yeah, it's very cool. Say, well, well just tell us how how did you get started in music? I mean, have you were you always uh, in music, into music, and a musician? Yeah, it's. I think it's safe to say that my my granddad was a musician. Um, my he taught my grandmother how to play bass. He played guitar. He taught her how to play so that he never had to play music by himself. Um, he always had somebody else to play music with him. Uh, my mom was a singer and uh, my dad was actually a, a jazz trombone player. So I, I was always around music as a kid and my entire life and, and was always shown, I guess, different spectrums of music. Um, I'd grown up in nothing but a country music household. And then uh, as I get older, I get introduced to everything from Billy Joel and Queen to Motley Crue and Bon Jovi. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very cool. So did you start out playing a specific instrument or? I, I started playing guitar. What most would, would most would consider actually pretty late. I didn't start learning how to play guitar until I was almost 23. Really? Um, and a lot of that came from, I always knew that I wanted to be, uh, music was going to be a part of my life. I just didn't know how. Right. Um, and uh, 
quite a few years ago, about that time we were at the Elbert County Fair in Kiowa, Colorado. And it was the first time I ever saw Trent Wilman perform live. Oh, no kidding. And I watched Trent on stage and something clicked and I went, man, that's what I want to do. And um, I had no idea what it was going to take to do it. And I still don't sometimes, but uh, <laughs> that was that was kind of the thing for me, learning how to play guitar and really realizing that that's what I wanted to do. So you didn't you didn't start performing until you were in your early 20s then? Not on a regular basis, no. I, I would sing with my grandparents, things like that, when right. they would do small shows and, and uh, all that growing up. But I never really started getting out on stage or doing anything like that until uh, until I was about 23, 24 years old. Cool. And then did you form a band uh, immediately? Or- I, I did. Uh, at the very beginning, I had, I had a band that we were based out of Colorado Springs, and um, that was kind of my first taste of the whole thing. Um, but it just, it wasn't the right thing. I don't think at the time, right. Uh, I was, I was still, still pretty young and I had a lot to learn and most of the guys had already learned a lot. So I was kind of behind and, uh, wasn't catching up at the pace that they expected me to. Right. So now, now, so then you didn't, you didn't play music in, uh, in school then, huh? In high school or anything? No, sir. Um, I did some choir stuff in, in school just to keep me singing because right. I did always like to sing, but never really played band, never really played instruments, did anything like that. I, to be completely honest, I, I didn't have the, uh, didn't have the ambition to do it then. Right. Right. Um, and, uh, really wishing now at this point in, in time, I really wish that I had. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're still absolutely very young. So, uh, you know, we always we always look back and, and we think, you know, we we wish we would have done something or whatever, but it, it always seems to happen at the right time. Yes, sir. Yeah. They, I just got to mention this. Is that the hat steamer I can hear in the background a little bit? Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, I got to love that. I got to lo- love that sound. Um, I was actually shaping up a hat last night over my teapot and I did a little video of it. It's kind of funny, but uh, I, I heard that steamer and I'm like, man, that just gives me goosebumps. If you could have one of those in the house, life would never be boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, hey, so uh, did you rodeo at all in in uh, high school or after? Yes, sir. Um, I got on my got on my first bull when I was fourteen. I got on my first bareback horse at fifteen, um, and I, I rode both events uh, bareback riding and bull riding in, in high school. And uh, it wasn't until I went off to college that somebody was kind enough to tell me that. Uh, you know, not everybody was born to be Ty Murray that I kind of <laughs> needed to pick one or the other. And, uh, I was, uh, mechanically and physically, I, I was better at riding bulls than I was riding bareback horses, but I was a really slow runner. And so <laughs> bull riding was not a good idea. And, um, so I, I just switched to riding bucking horses full time then and, uh, kept doing it. Um, I guess for about another 11, uh, 11, 12 years, man. I didn't stop rodeoing until I was 30. And, uh, even then I didn't really want to, but my body had other ideas. Yeah. Well, and, and you were riding bareback horses, you say? Yes, sir. Which is, I mean, and I've talked about it before on the podcast and had other guys on that rode bareback horses. It's, it's just like a car wreck every jump. Yep. Yes, sir. And, have a friend of mine that people would ask him all the time, like, what's it like to ride a bareback horse? And you always tell him, well, put your hand in a vice, tie it to a frame and push, tie it to a freight train and push it off a cliff. (laughs) And, uh, that's about what it's like. Um, it's, uh, I, I always wanted to ride saddle bronc horses. Um, 
but I, I just didn't have the mechanics for it. It, it wasn't something that I wanted to do. And, and, uh, my grandpa used to say when I was a kid that riding a saddle bronc horse is a lot like playing a guitar. It's the easiest thing in the world to do really bad. And it's the hardest thing to do really well. <laughs> and he was not kidding. My, my saddle bronc career was very short lived down to three horses. So <laughs> really, so let's yes, talk about the difference between the, the, you know, saddle, saddle bronc and, and bareback in terms of the riding. Right. Well, saddle bronc riding to me, that's, that's finesse. Like right. that's, that is all. It's, it's floating, it's style. If, if saddle bronc riding is a dance, then bareback riding is a fist fight. Oh, gotcha. Um, it's just grit your teeth and, and just kind of go at it. And there, there is some style and control there for sure. Um, the fundamentals of, of both events are, are very different. Right. Um, your bot from your body posture to your free arm motion to, um, you know, where, how your body is is seated on the animal itself i mean everything is is just night and day so it can be a lot more difficult to change your mechanics your body kind of when you get that muscle memory of how you use used usually do things um your your muscle memory can change your mind for you right. <laughs> and uh that doesn't always turn out well you do not want to completely rear back in a bronc saddle but you do not want to sit straight up on a bareback horse either <laughs> right right well and the thing about difference i see between bareback and, and saddle broncos too you can get hung up in the rigging and in bareback but then you can get hung up in those uh in your stirrups in your stirrups yes, sir. you know uh so e either way you you, you got to have some uh some definite style and athletic ability to get away from from either one of them you, you bet and uh i my last couple years of rodeo, my traveling partner was actually a fitness instructor oh. <laughs> when we, when we weren't rodeoing. So, um, I would be in the gym, you know, five, six days a week, two to three hours a day. Um, when, when we weren't rodeoing to, to really put my body in the right shape. And I, I feel like I waited far too long to do that. <laughs> um, but I, I really, the last year that the, my last two years that I was rodeoing, I was in the best shape of my life. I was, um, I think it was at 162 pounds, uh, was, I mean, lean, mean, and hungry and yeah. it, it really felt good. Yeah. But, but you hit 30 and you just, you knew then that I'm going to hang up my rigging. Yeah. My last, uh, my last four horses were very, very unkind to me physically. <laughs> and, uh, I remember going, uh, I had had a, a big muscle separation in my shoulder Yeah, and I remember going to the doctor and him telling me that uh, you you basically could lose the use of your arm if you put too much more strain on this muscle, right? Because it's connected to everything in your shoulder. So um, at that point, I went, you know, I'm I'm a dad, I'm I'm a husband, and I've got other things in life that I can do that definitely don't hurt this bad, right? Um, so maybe it's time to look for something else. And uh, that was actually about the time that I met Chancey Williams. Oh, okay, uh, for the first time. So. Uh, and that was really what started the whole shift in my, my music career and the progression in music. And it was definitely a change for the better. Now, was he, was he still riding at that time too, or? No, sir. He had quit at that point. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're, you're fine, man. You're, you're totally fine. Don't worry about it. Get comfortable. Um, no, he, he had, uh, already quit riding saddle broncs at that time. 
and uh, was doing music full time. He was already developing heck the name for himself, had a couple of albums out. And, um, I was a really big fan and I had started doing a deal on Facebook that I, I lovingly referred to as Monday Night Live from the basement somewhere in Colorado. <laughs> and uh, he had seen a couple of the videos on Facebook and I caught up with him at one of his shows and he asked me if I'd be interested in opening a show for them. And I remember I about fainted. Uh, I was, I was pretty excited to say the least. And, uh, started, started learning from him. Um, definitely didn't learn everything, <laughs> but, uh, I started learning a lot from him and, and his entire crew, that entire band, their sound people, like everybody in that bunch is, is definitely educated in, in those things that I was hoping to do. Right. And so, you know, you, if you, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Right. And exactly. uh, so I always, I always enjoy getting around him and, and his group and, and learning new things and seeing how they are growing their careers and, and what advice I can have from them on doing the same for myself. Yeah, absolutely. So, so how long have you been doing music now? And performing um, music now, and per, as and far as on a professional, I guess, professional level. Um, I've been doing it now for probably close to 12 or 13 years. Okay. Um, it's been a process. Uh, I, I know admittedly there were a lot of choices that I made that weren't the right ones. And that has halted my progression in certain places for sure. Yeah. Well, but you live and you learn. And as long as you don't make the same, same mistake twice, you tend to tend to come out. Okay. <laughs> absolutely. So now, um, how about writing music is, is, you know, when did you first start writing music? You know, I, I started writing songs uh, shortly after I was learning how to play guitar, and they were awful. <laughs> <laughs> they, they really were. Um, but uh, a lot of it was I, I didn't really have a, a solid learning premise to go on. I, I didn't really know how to structure. I didn't really know how to write songs in a better way. And that was when uh, I, I kind of took that whole smartest guy in the room mentality, I think, and uh, I did move to Tennessee for about a year and a half. And okay. I had no intentions of being, you know, the next big thing or anything. What I really wanted to do was was be around songwriters right. and learn from them how their style of songwriting, whether it's their structuring or their melodies, you know, the way they build their melodies, things like that. I really wanted to learn those things to help improve myself. Right. And not so much do them the same as everybody else, just find what what ways people were doing everything and, and how I could piece it all together to work for me. Yeah, absolutely. How, how long is uh, the band that you have now? How long have you guys been together? And are you guys that have been um, with you a while? Currently, actually, I, I don't have one. Uh, oh. We, we decided, to, decided to change things up a while back. And uh, so it's back to just me and a guitar and okay. going down the road as much as I can doing that. And in a lot of ways, that's it's more difficult, but in a lot of ways, it's a lot better. Right. Do you, do you see yourself putting a band together again or, or, eventually? you know, it's, it's something that a lot of people are on me about. A lot of people <laughs> really want me to do it again. Um, and, uh, it's just because we, you know, you, you take kind of a rodeo mentality to the stage, you know, go for broke and right. see how it all turns out. And that can make a show a lot of fun. Um, not only that, but I, I really feel like, the songs that that we are doing we would be doing they 
they kind of hit a different area with a lot of people. You know, it's, I think if there's one thing that I've learned the most from Chancey Williams is no matter how much you love rodeo, no matter how much people in rodeo love you, you can't just sing rodeo songs. Right. And right. you got to find a way to write and to, to structure and, and to build a show around who you are as, as an artist and a person, as opposed to just the crowd that you're singing to. Right. Right. And it's just like you said too, you know, when you got were younger and got introduced to all the other types of music, you know, from Billy Joel to, you know, Bon Jovi, mm -hmm. uh, it's true, you know, um, and we all, I think, uh, enjoy all different types of music, and it's great to infuse, uh, you know, different styles and different cultures into uh, music. I mean, that's what growing and progression is about, you know. And then, yes, sir. And then it's great to just, you know, turn on uh, the old Chris Ledoux and, uh, yeah, you know, and and even look at well, look at Chris in his later years. You know, he was doing, uh, you know. He recorded a recorded a Bon Jovi song. Yeah, uh, "Bang a Drum" was actually a Bon Jovi song. And yeah, he worked with several other artists that were, um, you know, a, a little more on the rock side of things. They yep. weren't necessarily on the traditional side of country, but a lot of it too is, you know, uh, when you when you get involved in music, there are times that music can do things. It can make you feel things and make you see things in a different way. Yep. And it doesn't matter necessarily. Uh, George Jones once said, you know, when you're sad, you understand the lyrics. When you're happy, you understand the music. Right. No, that's I've and, never heard uh, that. That's really good. And it's very true. You yeah. know, your your mood and, and how you feel in your head and in your heart often often determines what music can mean to you. Yeah. And, you know, the right song can can really turn your day around in any direction. Yeah. You, know, you could be having the greatest day and sun, you know, sunshine and birds chirping. And you hear some old broken-hearted country love song, and it automatically just kind of makes you feel a little. And then you can have days where you're driving down the road, and you're not in a hurry to go to work, or you're not in a hurry to do this or that. And that right song can come on, and it can amp you up and give you a whole new, whole new attitude for the day. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's why music is is such a a great. It's therapeutic to a lot of people, whether you play it and sing it, whether you just write it. Or whether you just listen to it, right. it's it's a great, great, uh, great thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's uh, I, I've said it many times before uh, on the podcast too. Talked about it how uh, it just it kind of can define your life, you know. I mean, and we all oh, yeah. we all you know have those songs that we hear them, and it just takes us back to a, a place in time where you can just see and taste and smell everything that happened back then, you know, during yes, that sir. song. And, and I, it's, like, it, it's just a great thing. And it, it transcends, uh, you know, so many, so many things in, in our lives uh, and in our culture yes, sir. that it's, it's, it's just, you bet. Just amazing. Hey, so the, the Rocky mountain, uh, country music uh, association, how long has that been around? Um, they started in 2016. Um, it was started by some regional country music artists, uh, from Cheyenne or well, Wyoming and Colorado. And then, uh, Sean Patrick, who is a, a radio DJ yes. uh, for iHeartMedia here in Colorado. Sean was sitting at home one night and was watching like the ACMs or the CMAs or right. something. And he went, you know, he goes, we have a lot of people around this part of the country that could do the same thing. And so the first year in 2016, they held it in uh, Loveland, Colorado. And it, was such a hit that they have just expanded year after year and gotten gotten bigger. We've gone from being, I think, the first year it was maybe three states to now there are 
nine really? that are included in our region. And we, the big thing is, is since that first year, there have been artists from this, you know, Colorado and Wyoming that travel a lot and they hear other bands in the region, whether it's Utah or Idaho or Montana or whatever. Right. And it's, we, we try as a whole to get them involved, to keep the association running and to keep, you know, to keep the spirit of the music in, in this part of the world alive. And when you, when you really realize how many great, not just bands, but artists, right. singers, songwriters, musicians, people like that, there are out there. It really gives you hope that, you know, what a lot of people consider country music these days, right. Um, that that's not the only thing there is out there, that there's something out there for literally everybody. If you, are able to hear it. And so we just try this association just tries to give those people a platform and, and to help get their music, their styles out there. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize. And again, that's probably why uh, I was having trouble just remembering the name because like you say, there's so many, there's so much stuff out there nowadays. And yes, sir. Uh, uh, I didn't realize it's only been around that long. So it's, I mean, it's really relatively uh, new yep yeah it's it's definitely in its it's you know younger years um and i i really feel that the right people are are making the the right calls for that in in helping to grow it and in helping to expand it to show the appreciation that so many of these artists out there really deserve right. for working so hard and and pouring their life into what they do right yeah very cool and so you, you, it started out with a couple states, and you say it's it's up to almost nine states, you're thinking now? Or? Yep. Uh, we have Colorado, Wyoming, Nebraska, South Dakota, North Dakota, Montana, New Mexico, Utah, and Idaho. Okay. Very cool. And now, um, is it uh, just mostly artists, you know, from, from those areas? Is that is that part of yeah. the criteria for— that's um, we we have some artists that are originally from the, this region that have gone on to you know Nashville and Texas and places like that just right. to to have that market to work with as far as radio markets promotions things like that and no matter the the cool thing about the West the Western United States and people that come from that lifestyle that background is no matter how far away from home you get, this is always home. Right. And you're, you're always a part of it. And so it's it, to me, you know, where you're from, is not based on where you live, where you're from is based on where you come from, the people, the people more so than the place. Right. And, uh, you know, people around here, it's, we, they're, we're always rooting for each other. Yeah. It's, it's not a, not a cutthroat business here. Everybody, you know, there's been plenty of times that we've had phone calls for shows that, you know, we may have been booked somewhere else or the timing wasn't right for that. And there's always somebody willing to say, hey, call so-and-so, they might be available. Yeah. And and it's all about helping other artists grow, not just yourself. Yeah. You know, you want to see your buddies. It's a lot like rodeo. Yeah, yeah. You know, you sit there off the back of a bucket shoot and you, yeah, you want to win, but you don't want your buddies to get wrecked out and, you know, zeroed either right and so it's it's really cool that that similarity and that camaraderie is such a big thing in this region yeah. and we're very very proud of it for sure yeah that's great 
Now you you said you're married and you have kids. Yep. Any any musicians in the bunch or any any rodeo? Uh, <laughs> rodeo contestants? for sure. Uh, <laughs> my my daughter definitely has a way with horses, but she she's not really into the competitive side of everything. Right. Uh, horses are kind of her peace of mind, and she's okay with that. Great. My son is eight years old, and he is the most competitive eight year old I've ever <laughs> met in my life. And um, uh, he actually when he was five he started riding uh started riding bareback horses the mini bareback horses no kidding and he uh, he's absolutely fallen in love with it he has a goal sheet actually at the house and one of at the top of his goal sheet is to qualify for the junior nfr he's been wanting to do that for a couple years now so um it's it's really neat to watch that the biggest thing that i learned about it is not to push it right. you know if, if that's what he wants to do right great uh uh, I, I was very fortunate to grow up in a family where, you know, whatever you wanted to do, whatever you wanted to be, it didn't matter right. as long as you were willing to work at it to be successful. Right. And um, when when you do that and you, you kind of give them the opportunity to make that decision for themselves yeah. and you don't force it, it's a whole lot easier. <laughs> yeah. Um, if, if you're uh, just raised to believe that as long as you work at what you want to do and and if it's really what you want to do it's never work yeah yeah you know it's it's just preparation for an end goal and uh that's always kind of the best thing to keep in mind yeah and that's that's great too because you know you look at the difference your son obviously you know like you say has this desire and this competitive side of him then your daughter she just likes to, you know, work with horses or be with horses more or whatever and, and doesn't have that real competitive side which is great which is kind of how I am now. Uh, it, you know, yeah. It's like, I just like to get on one and ride around, uh, you yeah. know, even more than trying to be super competitive at something. But uh, yeah, that's, yep. that's super, super exciting. Now, do, do you guys, do you have horses now or you guys uh, live on a place? We, we do, do not have any right now. Um, a lot of that is the area that we're in isn't really conducive for having them. And the boarding facilities that we could put them at are a little outside of the little outside of the bank account so right, right. um and a lot of it too is is just timing yeah um you know uh i grew up with horses and cattle my grandparents were ranchers and, and grew up a horseback for most of most of my life right and so i understand the amount of work that it takes to yeah you know if it if you have an animal that's your responsibility it's not somebody else's responsibility and it's not a toy that you can just take out when you want to play with it yeah and i refuse to take that mindset so um it's it's one of those things that until it, whichever child decides that that's something they have to have and they're able to put the work in that it takes to maintain it and be responsible then that'll probably change yeah but <laughs> and until then we are we are horseless yeah <laughs> That's great. So, um, now, how, now, how long have you been? You, you're working at the cow lot. How long have you been with the cow lot now? I have been at the cow lot since July of 2020. Yeah. Um, it was really one of the greatest blessings I think that I have ever, ever had dropped in my lap. Um, the company that I was working for prior to the pandemic and the lockdowns. Right. Um, we were based out of downtown Denver. Well, obviously, we did get shut down during the, the lockdowns, all that stuff here right. locally. But to make matters worse, when there was the rioting and everything in Denver, they destroyed our facility. Oh, you're kidding. Uh, broke all of our windows, spray painted the inside of the building, 
Um, and for a solid month following those riots, the entire building smelled like tear gas yeah. uh, from where they were trying to break up the riots. Right. So we were not only out of what inventory, things like that we carried, but it was just, it was a disaster. Yeah. And I was really, I was really praying and, and basically begging for something great to happen. Right. <laughs> um, and I came across an ad on social media that Calot was looking for help. And I went, well, you know, they're based here in Colorado. So hopefully it's not too terribly far away. Uh, and I called and came in and started speaking with Glenn and, and it just worked out. And it's been, like I said, it's been the greatest blessing. It's been amazing because I get to, I, I don't ever work. Right. I, I don't ever feel like I work. Right. I, I have a time and a place that I have to be somewhere every day. Right. And um, it keeps my family fed a roof over us. And, and I will never, ever complain about that. But it's never, ever work because I love what I get to do every minute of every day. Yeah. Well, you know, now being a cowboy, you, you know, you grew up a cowboy. You've rodeoed for all those years. Obviously, mm -hmm. you, you know, you shaped your uh, a few hats in your time. But yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Shape them both ways. Make them look pretty and make them look ugly when you're when you're riding yep. some of them, <laughs> some of those bareback horses. But now, were you trained? Uh, or did you, uh, you know, had you w worked somewhere shaping hats before or? Yeah, I had. Um, I uh, when I was about 12, um, as, as a kid, as a small kid, when we used to attend the stock show here in Denver with uh -huh. my family, um, I would stop and watch the guys at the hat booths shape hats for as long as my mom would let me stop. Right. Always was just fascinated by it. And I got for Christmas when I was 12 years old, I got a cowboy hat and I didn't like the way it was shaped. And so my mom told me how to add steam to it to do it. Well, I wrecked it. <laughs> so, and, and following I, I've, I've wrecked more hats in the beginning than I ever fixed. Yes. But I, I did definitely have a, an affinity for it. Yeah. And then when I went to school, uh, when I went to college after high school, there was a Western wear store in the town that my school was in and worked there part time. And the guy that owned the store really started teaching me how to shape properly. Right. And so I've, I've worked doing that in the past, worked a couple of trade shows, things on the road. Right. And uh, I, I did end up becoming the guy that a lot of guys were bringing their hats to to get shaped. Right. Um, so I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't completely green when it came to that. But there was a level of there was a level of artistry right. to it right. that I I wouldn't say I didn't have. I just hadn't learned it yet. Right. And since coming here and watching Glenn and, and the other guys that we have and seeing that artistic ability brought out, it has really helped mine a lot and made what I do so much better. Yeah. And, and the end result, the end end product is always far better to look at than it ever used to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, <clears throat> anybody that's listened to the podcast, obviously know that I, that's a passion of mine, shaping hats. And I just, you bet. I, I just absolutely love it. Um, and they don't always come out, you know, exactly how I want them either. I mean, they're, they're, every hat's a little bit different, you know, and, and, mm -hmm. and they can, they can, uh, throw some, some, some tricks at you, but, uh, do you, do you prefer to shape straws or, or felt? Well, I, I prefer shaping felt hats only because if something goes wrong, it's a lot easier to fix it. Gotcha. Um, it's a lot easier to, 
you know, if you have a front of the brim and you got it just a little bit wider than what the customer was expecting, it's a whole lot easier to just heat it up and fix it, not have any creases or dents or dings in it. Right. But with straw hats, you cannot always do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it can be done. I've seen it done, but it doesn't happen all the time. Yeah. And so, um, it's felt hats are a little more time consuming because you do need to let them cool after you shape them. Yeah. You know, with straw hats, I mean, once they're there, they're pretty much there. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of the advantage of those for sure. Yeah. Uh, as, as far as if, if I had to pick a favorite though, I'd rather shape felt hats. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting too, uh, because I kind of just had to learn the hard way or not the hard way, but just through experience, you know, people would come in and, when I, when I was uh, managing the store up here at NRS and shaped, you know, quite a few hats up there, when you shape one of those felts, just like you said, you know, you get a lot of steam on it. And wh- that's the other thing I learned, too. You don't want to put a lot of steam on them, but you get them steamed up and, and get them soft. They need to set up. And, you know, yep. and, and uh, that was something that early on I wasn't totally aware of. And you give them to people and then they'd start tweaking or they'd move it a little bit and, and it could just mess up the shape real quick. So. I got to the point yeah. where, hey, this thing's got to sit, it's got to cure, it's got to set up, and uh, anyway. We get we get really used to telling people, okay, when we put this hat on your head, keep your hands in your pockets. Yes, exactly. You know, if you want something adjusted, just let us know and we'll adjust it yeah. however you want it. But don't just grab your hat and bend on it right away. Yeah. Um, we used to tell them that too. Just put it on, walk around the store with it, you know, shop a little more or whatever, and then you know, we, yeah. we need to touch it up before you leave, you know, we will. So, yeah. Yes, sir. For sure. Very cool. So, uh, so you've been, you've been with Glenn there since man. So it's going to be a year coming up a year now, huh? Yep. Just about a year. Yeah. Gosh, it seems for some reason I thought you'd been there longer because I I can't remember when, when Glenn and I connected, we connected through, uh, oh gosh, through Kyle Monger. Uh, that's, Uh that's actually how I met Glenn initially. And then you and you I, you and I had talked before too, but I don't. Know, I, I it seems like July 2020 wasn't that fo- that long ago, but here we are, February no. 2021. Already. And it's it's strange for being one of the longest years that anybody can remember. It still seems to have went by so fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No kidding. So you guys just got back. Uh, you guys was just out at the uh, what stock show was it? The Black Hills Stock Show and Rodeo in Rapid City, South Dakota. How was the turnout there? It was absolutely phenomenal. Really? Um, we we had a great show. We shaped a lot of hats um, and met a lot of great people. They have some great outside events from the actual main buildings. Uh, the fairgrounds hosts uh, a huge concert. They hosted a ranch rodeo, a buck and horse futurity, and an event called Bronx for breakfast, which is kind of, it's kind of become a staple up in that country for, for stock show. And so it gets a great turnout. Pardon me. It gets a great turnout. And, um, we, we were really fortunate that they allowed us to sponsor some events this year. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we got to give some awards to some guys, got to get some guys in some new hats. And when they're working ranch cowboys, a lot of times they can use them. Yeah. So (laughs) that's always good. Um, we really had a great time. That's, and the turnout was fantastic. That's great. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, it, it's it's just like the Rocky Mountain Country Music Association. And then I've now, you know, there, there's so many things out there that are in, in in the Cowboy Rodeo and Western lifestyle and culture that it's it's hard yes, to it, keep up with, you know. And that's what, what I love about doing the podcast because uh, it just it helps bring me 
you know, up to the speed on things. You bet. Uh, and, and then it helps a lot of other people too. Uh, but like you mentioned that Bronx for breakfast, I know I've seen that, you, you, you know, um, I've, I, I must've saw it just scrolling through social media or something at, at one point. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, talk about that a little bit uh, again. What's that, what that's, what that is. The Bronx for breakfast. Mm-hmm. So the Bronx for breakfast is a ranch style Bronx riding. They bring in 32 saddle. They bring in 32 Bronx riders. Okay. And they, they buck four groups of four. Okay. They bring back the top eight to ride in the short round. And then the winner of the top eight gets a check, a saddle, a cooler, and a new hat from the cow lot this year. Oh, um, that's awesome. And uh, it's really great to watch um, because it's it goes back to the very beginning of what rodeo is. Right. Um, but it's it's not just the competitive part. It's um, I one of my greatest passions in life uh, outside of, I, I would call it more of a, more of a hobby than a passion, I guess, but I, I love it is watching and, and following, uh, bucking horses, right. whether it's saddle bronc or bareback horses and following stock contractors, how they're breeding, right. you know, those kinds of things, because I believe that that is, that is not only beneficial, but essential to the sport of rodeo right. and, and to keep it going and improving. Right. And the animal athletes are, are always as important as the human athletes in the sport of rodeo. So, um, in a lot of cases with, especially the Bronx for breakfast, these are all pretty young horses that haven't really gone down the road a lot and you're still trying to figure them out. Mm-hmm. And when you can watch them in a setting like that, where the crowd is really amped up and it's the, everybody's into it, the contestants are loving it. Um, when you can watch them in that environment, how they react to it before you put them in front of some of these bigger indoor rodeo crowds and, and things like that and haul them thousands of miles back and forth. When you can do it kind of close to home just to see how they're going to react. It's it's always a great thing. And and it's entertaining. And like I said, the crowds, the crowds love it. Um, they were at capacity by by 10 a.m. Uh, mm-hmm. for that event. Um, they had such a great turnout and it was on a Wednesday morning of all things. So <laughs> a lot of, a lot of bosses were probably pretty upset that folks were skipping work, but, <laughs> um, you know, I, if, if I had the opportunity to skip work and go watch bucking horses, I'd probably do it too. <laughs> yeah. and that's great. And, and again, these guys are riding these, these, uh, bucking horses in, uh, like their regular working ranch saddles, regular ranch saddles. Um, some of the guys use the night latches and, and go two hands. Uh-huh. Uh, some guys don't, some uh-huh. guys will ride that ranch saddle with just a simple hack rein and, and, uh, more, more along the lines of a saddle bronc saddle. It's just that your stirrups aren't tucked out as far. So you, you've got a little more straighter seat right. on your horse and, and you're not controlled by the leverage of the animal as much. Right. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. That's, that's good to know, man. I just, I just learned a whole bunch right there. So that's, that's very cool. Yes, sir. Very cool. Well, Hey Chris, there's a, we're getting kind of close to the end of our time here and, I got to ask you my same questions. I ask everybody. Uh, okay. Favorite brand of cowboy hat. My favorite brand of cowboy hat. Um, I would definitely have to say American hat company. Um, I been blessed to work with them on a professional basis through music for a few years and they've always taken really good care of me and they make a really good hat. So. Very cool. How about boots? Boots would be Justin boots. Um, I've, I've worn, from the highest of high end and customs to the lowest of low end and plastic. <laughs> and, uh, Justin seemed to last and fit me better than any other brand that I've ever tried personally. Yeah. Very cool. 
And how about uh, Western movies, cowboy movies? Uh, favorite Westerns. Um, that's that's hard because I watch a lot of them. Um, I, I would say I would say Lonesome Dove, but to me, that's miniseries, not a movie. So okay. um, if I had to pick a, a favorite Western movie, it would probably be uh, it would probably be Quigley Down Under uh, with Tom Selleck. Um, just some of his some of his little quips and one liners and everything in that movie are, are just too good to resist. And I can always go back to him and still laugh. So uh, that would definitely be be one of my be my favorite if I if I had to be locked in a room and watch it on replay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great movie. No doubt. No doubt. You bet. Hey, so if people want to follow you or, or um, you know, hear your music, uh, what's, yeah. what's the best way for them to do that? You can find me on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, I don't have Twitter because I have never learned how to use it. <laughs> um, I, I just under Christopher Thomas, um, you will see uh, my logo printed as the profile picture on both. So it's pretty easy to find. It's just to see that goes into a T and uh, yeah, give me a like, give me a follow. And if you don't feel like doing that, at least you can find me on the cow lot social media. So, Oh yeah, that's true. Very, very, very cool. Well, hey, man, it's been great having you on the podcast, and I learned a lot. And uh, Well, I'm glad. Yeah. Appreciate it, you having me on here, Dan. It's been a blast. Yeah, very, very cool. And you'll have to tell Randy hi for me, and we actually have message. So he, I will for sure. He, he was busy, and he's he's he said he's going to get back, but just uh, let him know that, that I'm still thinking about him because I, I felt so bad for all that time that went by. And, uh, and anyway uh, – Yes, sir. We we actually did a music tour together back in November. Oh, you did? Okay. Um, uh, we've, we've done two together now uh, with three other artists from our region. And uh, this time we actually, this last November, we included an artist who is originally from Idaho. He now lives in Northern California. Okay. And we had him flown out here to travel with us for five days. And we went to went to five different venues in five days and just five, six guys with guitars sitting up there telling stories and playing songs. And man, it was a lot of fun. We really enjoyed it. So I'll make sure I, I tell Randy to, to, to make a little time for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, Hey Chris, you enjoy the rest of your day. Tell Glenn, I said, hi, and then uh, we'll be in touch. You betcha, buddy. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Legendary men, sons of the desert, and riders on the wind. I got a restless spirit burning deep inside of me. I ain't got much, but I'm free. I've always been one to do it my own way. I'm making my living between the saddle and the stage. I don't know nobody, nothing. Everything I got's my own Some say I'm just a man to the bone I'm a cowboy, yes I am I was born to rope and ride I'm a cowboy, that's my brand Until the day I die Guitar and 
find a brand new set of strings From the radio to the rodeo I'm gonna do my thing I don't compromise on nothing What you see is what you get I may be broken busted <laughs> But they ain't killed me yet I'm a cowboy Yes I am 